This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club podcast. Here's your host, Chip Souza of the Hog Sports Network. This is Chip Sousa from today's Hogs Illustrated Sports Club luncheon. Had a great guest speaker today, former Arkansas Razorback and Fayetteville Bulldog Ronnie Brewer was the guest speaker today. Ronnie sat down with our Matt Jones for a question and answer session. Here is Ronnie Brewer. Usually I worry about if you're going to be able to see who's sitting here. I don't worry <laughs> about that with Ronnie. Well, usually, I mean... With Coach Muscombs, you have a problem with him, his feet not touching, but I don't have that problem right here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you about that because we've got to, I wish I would have asked them to pull this picture up. It was in Tulsa. You know exactly what I'm going to ask yeah, about, don't I, you? I, I thought I was going to get fired that day. <laughs> he, he gets ejected at OU. You guys lose. You don't play well that day. Yeah. And you look like a bouncer trying to keep him off yeah. the floor. Tell, yeah. tell me about that. So... It's kind of my job, Coach Smart's job. You know, obviously you're in the heat of the moment, heat of the battle. Um, you know, calls go your way, calls go against you. You know, when your team's not playing uh, up to par, there's a lot of emotions involved. Um, and for whatever reason, one of the referees made it personal against us. I don't know why. I don't know what it – but they were jawing with each other. Instead of, like, him refing and him coaching, they were, like, arguing back and forth. He ended up getting a technical, and he looked like he was going to run on the court. Well, I, I know how um, Hunter Yurchek feels about that and how he, how he wants the University of Arkansas represented, uh, always in a good light. Um, you know, I, I've been in there when, you know, he's coming in there and says, hey, Coach Musk, can you keep your shirt on um, <laughs> this time? Uh, can you not jump on the, on the table? But uh, I saw him like he was going to run out there. And my, like, my, like, natural instinct – was to like grab him and I kind of grabbed him kind of hard and I kind of grabbed him like under his arms and so he kind of like jumped a little bit when he jumped it was like in my arm so like <laughs> I had him like up I had him like picked up off the air and it was on it was like on every news station it was on sports center it was like and so like the next day in the office it was posted on every door like to be funny so when i came in the when i came in the office i saw the pictures and i was like oh crap cuz i i didn't know i hadn't we, we hadn't met yet like i didn't know if he was mad at me or or what so i'm like okay um how am i going to explain this to my boss that i like picked him up like a baby and carried him out for the betterment of him. Um, uh, but he wasn't mad at all. He was more like, hey, you know, we got to get back to the drawing board, uh, focus on the next game. Let's clean up what we did bad, uh, focus on the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and, you know, try to bounce back and get this thing rolling. So That was a team that went to the Elite Eight. Absolutely. And you guys were in a bad stretch. You lost to OU. I think you came back the next week. You lost to North Little Rock, to Hofstra, a team yeah. you should have – you would have beaten 99 times out of 100 probably. Yeah. How do you go through – and you mentioned the football team. How do you go through these rough stretches? How, how do you approach them when you know your team is better than maybe what they're showing? Well, you got to circle the wagons. And it, it's all about the people that's in that, in that room. Only the people in that room know the blood, sweat, and tears that you, that you have went on. Like, what people don't know, like, um, like kind of the like college dynamic for our, our, like, basketball season um, – we ask our kids to like get to campus like in May. Like, hey, we you need to be. I know you're gonna graduate on May like 14th. We need you here at May 18th, mm -hmm. ready to enroll in summer school. So we get rolling um, May, June, July, August, September, October. Then it's time to start playing. And so like 
it's a long stretch ahead, a long grind, um, and like as Mus always says, like we really don't know what our team is until like February, March, mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you looked at our teams in the past, you know, it's, it's been up and down. Uh, but you really know who we are comes February, March, because that's when we're playing our best basketball. That's who we know. We truly know our identity. Um, guys are, you know, getting to their rhythm. Why? I don't know. We've we've looked up the analytics about it and tried to figure it out. But, um, you know, we just circled the wagons and said, hey, man, uh, you know, how do y'all want y'all, y'all's legacy to, to follow you guys after you finish playing. It's up to you guys to turn the corner. Uh, we can come in and come up with the best game plan because I feel like we have a really, really experienced staff uh, with a lot of NBA experiences, ex- with, with schemes and different mismatches and how to exploit um, uh, the matchups that we want. Uh, so it's really up to our guys to, to um, execute our game plan day, day in, day out. And our guys really bought in and they were like, and I, and I told our guys this year, I was like, hey, man, go to YouTube. And you know when our team is really locked in and bought in is when we throw the ball in, the guy who's guarding the point guard, he's going to put his hand up to declare the basketball. If he looks behind him, he's going to see a whole army behind him. He's going to have two guys on the elbows, two guys on the box with their hands up. And that means that, hey, man, we got your back and we're there to help you. And, and those Elite Eight teams, they did that every possession uh, come March, and that's why we made a run, um, and we were all on the same page, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Tell me about the work ethic it takes to work for Eric Musselman, because I, I figure there's not a lot of golfing, there's not a yeah. lot of fishing. It is yeah. every day, nose to the grindstone. Yeah, I, I'm not a big golfer anyway. I like to watch golf. I can't, I can't golf, um, so that didn't bother me at all. Uh, and I've never shied away from hard work. You know, I've never been. Uh, the best athlete, uh, never had the, the prettiest shot. And so I had to work extremely hard to, to, to be successful um, in the game of basketball. And so, um, you know, my mentorship with our players, um, that's what you got to do to try to make it to the NBA. And so, you know, working for Coach Must, to me, it's not like a super crazy grind. It's just like, it's just work. And, and if you're uh, accustomed to work, it's, it's, it's something that you wake up to and you enjoy doing every day. And, um, you know, you know, coaches at Media Day, we have today off. Um, <laughs> we have a uh, a player-led practice at 2.30 that everybody's going to be there at 2 o'clock. Everybody's going to get their work in prior to prior to the volunteer 2.30. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be there. Like, uh, I'm leaving here and I'm going to run errands. And I know when I go in my office and I look down there, I, I know it's going to run smoothly and I know they're going to go as, as hard as they possibly can because that's the culture that we build. And when you can see how hard we're working as a staff every day to help them, then they, I mean, it's the ex- expectation, the culture that, that they, they live in. Probably no coincidence that a lot of you have MBA backgrounds yourself, Keith Smart, go on and on down the list. There, there's a lot to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we just don't use it as a graphic as we have the most MBA experience in, by any team in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a lot of our, you know, recruits and our current roster wants to come here because they know, hey, I, I can look at, um, you know, J.D. Note from when he was at Jacksonville to, you know, his first year here, his second, and then when he left as a third-team All-American, I can see the development. I can see, you know, guys that have been here that improved uh, over a period of time. I can see guys like Trevor Brazil who was at Missouri. And it's, it, it's, not, to, it's not to be funny that we try to do, but, like, We'll show, we'll watch film, and we'll have on film a player that's on our roster that we played against, 
and how they played at their last school and how they play now. Um, so Trevin was a good player at Missouri, but he didn't do the things that um, we thought that he was going to do um, to get to the NBA. And so we went in the portal. We were like, hey, um, we know that our staff can help you develop. And like, this is how. And because we, we dissect and analyze um, stuff better than anybody in the country. And so that, that's just from our NBA experience. And now you see Trevin, a guy that's super athletic, um, his athletic ability had, hadn't left Missouri, but now he's a guy who can now catch and shoot threes, put the ball on the floor, uh, and do a lot of array of things on the offensive defensive end um, through our player development. NBA is so much about positionless basketball, and it yeah. seems like that's what you're targeting. Absolutely. Um, this game of basketball is always evolving. Um, if you look, if you watch the NBA, and that's the, to me, that's like the doctorate, master, you know, program. What that that college basketball is trying to imitate. Um, it, it might not look the same because the players are bigger, stronger, faster, but it might look like the game's slowed down or all the, it doesn't look like they're playing defense. It's just the guys are so more skilled at pos like positions that they haven't been in the past. I always, I always use the example of, you know, I grew up playing like with Dwight Howard and like Tyson Chandler and like Yao Ming and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and these huge, massive centers uh, that were there back to the basket. You know, if you foul them, they're probably not going to make a free throw. Um, you, and you can use that to your advantage to, to, to kind of um, uh, scout or, or, um, or, or, or your game plan on, on how to win. Mm -hmm. Like for us, it's like, you know, you get a rebound. I, we always use the example of Jalen Williams. You know, he's 6'10", you know, 245, 250-ish. I would prefer him unless – I would always say this to challenge. It was like, well, you don't have to dribble if you're scared to dribble. But I know the work that we do every day. We work on ball handling. We work on your back to your basket, mid-range, touch shots, three-point shots, mm -hmm. to be a basketball player. Um, because, you know, if you get the rebound, if you're looking for a point guard, it's, the, the pace of play is going to be slow, slowed. So, but if you get the rebound and you push it and we all run, you know, uh, in the game of basketball, transition basketball, if you're a bad transition team, then – you're not going to get back and get layups or open threes all, all game. And so that's what we try to do and, and get a mismatch on every aspect of the game through our positions basketball. Those are the type of guys that we recruit that, hey, I can play one through five, or I can guard one through four. Um, and for fans that are questioning, you know, we're shooting the ball way better than we have in the past. That's been one of the things that we haven't done so well. So we went back to the drawing board and got a lot of shooting. So. You mentioned how much uh, preparation you guys put in. You talk to analysts who come out and watch your practices, whether it's a Jay Billis or a Jimmy mm -hmm. Dykes, and they talk about, I mean, there are poster boards everywhere, and it is, it's different elements of the scouting report that you're wanting to hammer home that day. Yep. Tell us about that, and, and tell us maybe how that compares to an NBA preparation. Well, I, I mean, I just used the example. We're, we're playing Tyler, Texas Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a Division II team. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, we put on – Every team that lost versus a Division II team last year. One of the teams was Louisville, who had L. Ellis. So we put, not to be funny, we put L. Ellis on the board by saying, hey, this is what you, you can't do, yeah. and you can't play like this team because you can ultimately get beat. But every day, um, you know, we, we have analytics, we have prep. Uh, we're going to know Tyler Texas better than they know themselves. We know their, their players, their rotation, their shooting percentages, their strengths going, you know, right or left or if they post up or if we need to trap the post or whatever the situation is. We're going to have a game plan going in. Um, and obviously, with any sport, 
if you get punched in the mouth and, you know, that's when the real game starts. It's like, okay, how, how do you face adversity and what you, and how do you adapt and make adjustments? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've all been there and done that and, and, and no disrespect to any college people, but, you know, we had to prep or play against like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James and Kevin Durant. We're not playing against any of those guys. And so it's, it's, it's easier to prep against college than it is to prep in pros. And so I think that's why we have such an advantage uh, across the board. When you played, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to this, you knew a college basketball team's players when you went into a season, you mm -hmm. know, because they had been there for two years or three yeah. years. I mean, you, you played against guys at Kentucky who it felt like they were there for seven years. Yeah. Now you're, you're learning new rosters every single season. Just tell me about how the portal has changed everything from a basketball perspective since you played, because it, it seems like it's a totally different game. Well, when I, when I played and, and other people that's in the room have been college athletes, um, the NCAA was a lot tougher as far as like transfer rules. Mm -hmm. um, that's why you saw so many high level junior colleges um, and you saw guys that were there for four or five and then they got a, um, uh, a year for, you know, red shirt, mm -hmm. year for injury, maybe six years. But, um, you know, Coach Muss has been doing this portal thing since he was at Nevada. And, you know, when he came here, you know, he kind of <laughs> butted heads a little bit because I was like, dude, you know, if you want to be a coach that, you know, guys want to come play for, you got to get young kids because that's who the NBA scouts are looking for because of their potential. And then you have muscle on the other hand is like, well, if you look at these teams that are older, they're, they're winning in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to win. And I was like, okay, well, we need to make sure both. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm never worried going into, you know, after March, the, the transfer portal because – you, you've got to go with somebody like if you if someone's wrong with your heart, you want a, a heart surgeon to work on you. If someone's wrong with your mm -hmm. brain, you want a brain surgeon, you know, knee, foot, whatever, whatever you, you want a special set. Mm -hmm. There's not a better person in college basketball that's more experienced in, with with managing a roster than a guy that had a manager roster like full time at a higher level. He, he managed NBA teams, salaries and you know positions. He did that in the G League. He did that overseas when he coached international like a lot of coaches did and, and that's why you see a lot of coaches that are like not accustomed to it who are maybe older in age is like man I'm not trying to deal with the transfer portal and I'm not trying to deal with NIL because it, it's changing the dynamics of college basketball I've heard Eric talk about the G League he said that uh, a lot of times he wouldn't know his roster till two o'clock yeah. having a new roster in August is really nothing compared yeah, to that. yeah yeah because you know what I, I don't think people understand like kind of how like the developmental league works um you know it, it was well, called the G League, but it's the, it, it used to be the developmental league. Uh, you might have your roster set, you might have practice, um, and then a team might say, hey, we're sending two or three guys down. They need to play 48 minutes. They need to get all the shots, and I don't care what, what your uh, game plan is. We're trying to see our young guys develop um, so we can maybe use them two or three years down the line. So then he has to go back and change his whole game plan. So getting a roster – or turning a ro roster over in the summer and then having to plan how you're going to prep and play them is 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 very minor to having to go on the fly and you know or you have a team or a guy on your team who's your go-to player um, that hey man I'm gonna run this play to him because I have a mismatch and then right before the game he gets called up so now you don't have him mm -hmm. and so now you have to come up with a completely different game plan on the fly uh, in a short period of time and so. That's what he's been doing for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. That's what he did at the NBA, um, and that's why 
you know, we have a lot of success in the transfer portal. There's an interesting dynamic on staff right now. You're one of three new coaches. Uh, Correct. You guys have been in the program, but, but yourself and Todd Lee and uh, Michael Musselman. But Todd Lee has got his two sons working on staff. Yeah. Uh, Michael is Eric's son. Matthew Musselman has also come in as a manager, GA. GA. Yeah, yeah. So you've got th these familial ties on, on staff. Tell me about working in a, a dynamic like that, and, and in particular, Eric and his boys. What is that like? Well, it's been kind of cool because um, I, I think I, um, you know, I, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and so um, she comes to work with me, and she plays volleyball. So, like, she'll go practice on the basketball court when we're not practicing, uh, and that's what she wants to do every day. It's not like I'm like, hey, come up here, come to work with me, come practice, because my dad didn't make me do that. So I was like, I'm not going to make my daughter do that. And so, you know, I, I remember – when I first got hired, must have been like, you know, like, why do you do that? And I was like, you know, to build the relationship with my daughter, you know, her being able to see what I do every day, uh, but then able to interact with her. And, you know, must basically said like, man, you know, my dad was so busy with basketball. Like, I, we didn't really have that. Um, I tried, and we tried to work around it. Um, but to now see that, you know, Michael's there, and then they got – Matt, and then Ty Lee got hired, and then now both his sons are now um, one's a GA, one's a manager. Mm -hmm. Seeing them like not just in a like a basketball coach mode, to be also like a, a father figure mode uh, is is awesome. To you know, uh, I wouldn't, I didn't ever like you know when I was here in Arkansas, we were trying to rebuild the program back. So I didn't, you know, the one time I went to the NCAA tournament, we lost to Bucknell, so I didn't experience going to Elite Eight or, or twice or a Sweet 16 as a player. Um, and, and as Coach knows back there, like you, it's something that you can't duplicate um, ever, the feeling uh, of the success you have in March Madness. But to see those guys now have their kids on staff, not only like them experiencing it like as fans in the stands, but now they're on staff and being able to experience that it truly means something um, to have success uh, being you know, an Arkansas Razorback. We've only got a few minutes left, but I want to run through the new players. Okay. Just give me a few words on each of these players. Let's start with L. Ellis, the, the point guard from Louisville. Um, feels like he has something to prove. He, he played on a really bad team last year, and he had, he averaged a lot of points. P people are forgetting that he averaged like 18 points a game. That's a lot of points. Like, I felt like I scored the ball a lot, like a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I averaged. Like – it's really hard to do. So he, he feels like it's, it's, this is the year he has to prove that he's a winner. Like he has to be selfless and he has to put the team first and he's all in to, to allowing our team to win. Caleb Battle from Temple. Same exact situation. Temple was, quite frank, trash. And he scored a lot of points on a trash team. And he has to prove to the world that he's just not a good player on a trash team and he's all in on you know, trying to win games. You got a big man from Memphis named Chandler Lawson who yep. seems to be getting a lot of praise. Man, uh, he's a guy that he's kind of a journeyman. He started at Oregon, then he went to Memphis. Now he's here. He's at his third school. So for him, it's very simple. He he, he wants to be a glue guy and and put the team first. He's 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 all team and whatever the, the team needs, he's willing to do that. And that's why we love him so much. Traymon Mark coming in from a good program at Houston. <clears throat> he's a little different. Um, <laughs> so, as we, we, we pull people on the film about you know, their previous school, like T. Mark's team, like they're, they're the number one seed. You know, they won 30 games almost every year that he's been there. Uh, Kelvin Sam said at Houston is 
a, a hard-nosed coach that demands toughness, and that's exactly what he is. He's a hard-nosed player and very tough. Jeremiah Davenport from Cincy. Great kid, man. Um, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, like just kind of how our society is, um, you know, he got arrested the other day. Mm -hmm. He really didn't get arrested, but he had a speeding ticket that he didn't take care of. And one of our things is being, you have to be responsible. You, as, as, a, as a young adult, you have to be responsible. He didn't take care of his ticket and he had to do community service. Well, when you do community service, you have to get booked. And it's a, uh, a lesson he learned. Uh, unfortunately for him, um, that lesson meant that he didn't do a lot of running. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but he, he learned, I think he learned from that. And he's, he, you know, I think that he's checking his emails and stuff a lot better now. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but he's a great kid, great shooter. And I think he can really help us from Cincinnati. You added a late player. Uh, is it Denajay Harris? Denajay Harris. Denage, okay. Yeah. Denajay Harris is also a guy that's, I mean, he literally came to us like, you know, he was going to go to another school and he said, coach, you know, I love playing basketball, but I'm not a loser. And I've never won in college basketball, and I just want to win. And if I play, you know, one minute or 40, I just want to experience winning. And, and, and to have a guy like that, we're, we're so grateful because he, he comes in and brings his lunch pill every day. And then finally, two big-time freshmen, Bayfall and Layden Blocker. Yeah. Um, Bayfall's great. Um, you know, he's had been in the United States a long time. So uh, every day is a learning experience. But uh, he's, he's a great kid with a huge heart. Plays extremely hard. Um, you know, he came he came on campus at 6'11", 174 pounds. So he's really he was really really skinny. Mm -hmm. um, I think they listed him at 180. But you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna push you to the li limit. And uh, I think he was up to 205 or 208. He's been mm -hmm. grinding his butt off. Um, you know, we got to work on his hands um, because you know, at his size, he was always a I'm going to set a pick and he lobbed it to the rim. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, you, you, you can't always catch a lob. So we're working on his hands, but he's a great kid, plays really hard. And Lane Blocker, you know, coach has been giving him praise each and every day. He pushes, he pushes everybody. You know, I already think that we're going to be one of the better defensive teams in the country. Um, you know, LL is competes defensively, Blocker uh, competes defensively. Um, he's super athletic uh, for incoming freshman at his size. Um, he's, his, his shot's improving. He's leading our team. He's, he's more of a shy guy, him and Bay. And so with Muss, you, you can't be shy and play basketball. Like, like he's going he's gonna to get that out of you the first day somehow, and if that means calling you out. So, you know, getting those guys to talk and communicate uh, and, and for them to mature as young men. Like, it, we're talking about basketball, but, like, you know, it's more. It's bigger than basketball. Like making sure those guys are going to study hall, making sure they're going to every class, making sure they're meeting with the nutritionist so they can, you know, get vitamins and stuff like that. Like they're they're checking all those boxes, and and um, they're going to be great guys for our program. Ronnie, I can sit here and talk basketball with you all day. It, this has been a lot of fun. We appreciate you coming, and hope yeah. you come back in the future. Thank you for having me. All right, welcome. Or thank you, Ronnie. All right. We honored our prep rally athlete of the week. That was Fayetteville linebacker Rhett Tindall. He had a fumble return for a touchdown in Fayetteville's big 42-21 win against Bentonville. Here is Rhett Tindall. Rhett, big, big game for you guys. I mean, Friday night. I'm, I'm guessing y'all had that game kind of circled on the calendar for a while. Yes, sir. It was, uh, it was a big game last year, lost in overtime. So we were all looking forward to it this year. We 
we're really prepared this year going into it. Walk me through the you know first you know first second whatever that play of the game was was real early. Yes, you know, uh, guess Noah got in there, knocked the ball loose. What, what did you think when you saw the ball come out like that? When I first saw the ball come out, I didn't know if it was fumble or incomplete, so I ran over, just tried to get it, picked it up. I didn't hear a whistle. I just took off. <laughs> what are you thinking, looking back, seeing if anyone was going to catch it? Yes, sir. I was. I just picked it up, and I was. I just didn't hear the whistle, and I just started running. Uh, you had had a, a touchdown earlier in the season that got negated by a penalty. So did you look around see if there's any flags on the ground when you when yeah. you got the end zone? Yes, sir. I was I was definitely looking. Like, you can see, I turned around immediately looking, and everybody was cheering. So I, I didn't think there was. You're like, oh, finally! Yeah, finally, yes, <laughs> finally <sir>. got one. Forty-two <laughs> twenty-one. I mean, you know, that was a pretty big margin of victory. Um, you know, what do you guys feel like now after the after the game ended? You're seven and zero. Oh, you know, you got to like where you're at. Yeah, we. I mean, we're really happy with where we're at. We got three more uh, regular season games, conference games, and so we're uh, gonna focus on them, get through those three, and then on to playoffs. So we're real happy. Good deal. That is Rhett Tindall, the Prep Rally Player of the Week. Congratulations, yes, sir, and you. good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Our Prep Rally Program of the Week this week was the Ozark Catholic Academy Boys Cross Country Team. They are the two-time defending Class A state champions. Their coach met with me today before the meeting, and here is the Ozark Catholic Academy Cross Country Coach, Alicia Schaefer. Alicia, cross country, is this, are you, were you a runner? Uh, is that how you kind of got drafted into it? Or was it you like, I always want to be a cross country coach? <laughs> so yes, I am a runner. We, my husband and I, we run half marathons. And wow. I helped coach uh, at a couple other schools just as assistant coach for track and cross country. And uh, this is just a, an awesome opportunity that I'm so excited I can be here to help running grow in the area. So you said this is the sixth year of the school and the program. Um, what was it like when you first started? Did, did you have any kids who had ever ran anything of, of a distance before? Uh, we didn't have a lot of experienced runners. Had a very yeah. small team. We were doing road races because we weren't AAA yet. Yeah. And we were going to um, meets in Oklahoma, uh, very small towns, you know, just to be able to be able to compete. Right. So. When did you kind of see them start to turn the corner, and you're like, hey, I think you know that we could be pretty good at this. I think when our athletes really started buying into what we needed to do to improve and to succeed, and uh, we got some athletes that really had a lot of talent, and they've helped us, you know, just really move to the next level. Gotcha. Uh, what about track and field? Are they you got coaching distance runners there, or are you just strictly sticking? Okay. Yes. So last, I, that's what I did last year in track was coach the distance runners, and um, the track team. Last year, the boys also came in uh, first place in uh, the state for uh, track. And That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So. Well, Alicia, uh, congratulations on being the program of the week and on winning back-to-back -back state championships. No pressure, but you're going for a three-peat <laughs> here coming up in a couple of weeks. We, we hope to go and uh, defend our title next week. Uh, well, two weeks, uh, November 3rd, we run at 8 a.m. Uh, at the state championships down there at Oakland. Good so deal. we are very excited about that. Well, good luck, you guys. Go get it. Thank you. you Thank bet. you so much. Yeah. We'll be back here next week as we have national champion coach Nolan Richardson here as our guest speaker. That is on October 25th. 
The meeting will be held again, as always, at Home 2 Suites here in Springdale. That is Coach Nolan Richardson, former Arkansas Razorback basketball coach, who led his team to a national championship in 1994. He will be the guest speaker next week. You'll want to get to the luncheon early. The luncheon starts at 12 noon, but you'll want to get here early for that because there will be very few seats available as we hear our national champion coach, Nolan Richardson, as our guest speaker. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Again, you can listen to this podcast where all podcasts can be found at places like Amazon, Spotify, and other places. This is Chip Sousa for the Hog Sports Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media. 